Welcome to the Loving Your Husband Before You Even Have One podcast. My name's Kim, and I'm here with my co-host, Adrian, and we are so glad you've chosen to spend some time with us today. We are going to discuss choices you can make before you even have a husband that will help you flourish in your single years and increase your odds for a better marriage later. Adrian, we have an incredible topic today. Can you tell us about it? Okay, so it is no surprise that young women are living among the hookup culture. Many have believed the lie that hooking up and getting experience in will create a stronger marriage down the road. Well, that's simply not true. Follow along with us as we give our listeners practical advice as they face the hookup culture around them. Only am I here and Adrian is here, but we are we have brought on our friend Val. And Val works with college students at the University of Arizona. And so she is on the front line of just hearing what college girls and young women are dealing with. And you are gonna love Val. She's one of my favorite people, and she has some wonderful insights. And so we're excited to have her with us today. Hey, Val, thanks for being with us. Hey, you guys. I'm glad to be here. It's fun to get to hang out with you guys. Oh, yeah. We are going to have a great conversation today. You recently spoke on hookup culture at the SMC Dallas Conference for College Students. And it was, I think, the best presentation of how to deal with hookup culture that I've I've ever heard, and it's only 30 minutes. So we're going to post that in the show notes. And so I hope our listeners would listen to that after they listen to this podcast. It was excellent, excellent, excellent. So my question for you is what motivates you to speak out against hookup culture? Like what... Um, What's kind of pushing you to be open about your own life and to speak about this topic? Yeah, well, thanks for saying that, Kim. Um, I think whenever I think about hookup culture and whenever I think about casual sex or just things like that, I've, I've really seen it affect a lot of my friends, you know, on these college campuses that I've gotten to work at. Uh, I've seen it take them out of walking with God um, you know, of dating, maybe a kind of guy that we would want, you know, them to marry one day. Um, and I've even seen it just really affect my life. You know, I got really involved in hookup culture early, uh, high school early. And so I've just seen it take some people out. And uh, I hate that, you know, I think that hookup culture is just, it's duping everyone, you know, it's making girls on college campuses and you know even after college believe that they can be satisfied and that they can be you know have have their um, sexual experiences just to meet their needs right now um, that they can just have it all under control and I just I don't think that's true you know I think we're kind of being tricked a little and so I kind of started to learn about hookup culture and its effects. And I was like, man, we're believing some stuff that's not real, you know, and that just made me want to 
want to tell people, want to tell my friends on college campuses and want to tell girls that uh, I'm friends with that are out of college. Um, I just want them to know that there's something better out there than what hookup culture is offering. Well, thank you for your voice on the topic. It's so important. And one of the things I thought would be good for us to do today, the three of us, is I would like for us to discuss an article that I read a few years ago. And the article, um, we're actually going to post it, um, the link in the show notes so that you can read it yourself. And it's called Three Ways Hookup Culture Can Create Stronger Marriages Down the Road. And the writer argues that hookups actually set people up to have, and I quote, the most successful marriages in history. And what she does is she presents three claims to prove people wrong that hookups are bad. And honestly, there aren't many things that really get me riled up, but even just talking and preparing for this podcast... I mean, my blood started pumping because, you know, I don't have anything personal against this woman. And it's actually anonymous. When it first came out, it wasn't anonymous. And But I got hold of this article, and I sent it to my married friends. And I said, look at this article. And it got them riled up as well. And one of my friends, Sarah, uh, she actually did some research and she looked up this young woman and found out that she was a recent graduate and that she wasn't even married. So then I really, my blood really started pumping because she makes some pretty audacious claims. And I know, and Adrian, you've seen this too, that many young women are faced with these uh, uh, claims and it begins to shape how you think about God and how you think about sex. And it's so important that we talk about them and, and actually expose them. One of my first questions, and before I talk about that, I'm not attacking this woman, but I know ideas like this are floating around, and we want our listeners to have the full story. So here we go. My first question, Val, and I'd love for your thoughts on this, and Adrian as well, should we believe every article that we read, even if it sounds like it makes sense? I'll just throw that out there for both of you. Should we believe every article that we read? No, <laughs> I don't think we should. Um, but, you know, just thinking about, you know, that idea of believing every article we read or, you know, every blog post we read or every Instagram account we follow, you know, I love social media and I love how it helps me connect with people. You know, I'm from Arkansas, but I live in Arizona. And so if I didn't have social media, it would be really hard for me to keep up with a lot of my friends. Um, and so I love it. It's got huge perks. But I think one thing that it has kind of created is that everyone can have a big platform really fast. Um, and then everyone can be an expert, you know. Um, and so everyone can put out really good looking posts or blogs or things like that when maybe they don't really have a ton of experience behind what they're talking about. Um, and so I think you just always want to think through, okay, 
what's this person's life like? You know, it's like, if I'm going to, if I want to be a successful business person, you know, I'm going to go and look to find a successful business person, not someone that, um, maybe is in high school and wrote an article about business, you know, <laughs> like, and, and no, like no offense to anyone, but I just, I want to go to the person that's proven that they kind of know what to do. Um, and so I think, you know, you just want to see, okay, is this person living the kind of life? Do they have the kind of things that I'm looking for? Um, if maybe they kind of know a lot, you know, um, that they, maybe don't have the, the real life stuff to, to back it up, you know? So. No, absolutely. I agree, Val. I think it's important to know, is the person putting this out there, are they qualified? Do they have credentials to speak uh, into this matter? And so I think of us here talking about it, you know, we are all three married. We do have successful marriages, maybe some longer than others, but we are married. And so I think we have space to talk about whether or not the hookup culture can be a, good indicator for a successful marriage down the road. And I think we'd all say hookup culture is not. <laughs> no, absolutely not. It's not something that is going to create stronger marriages down the road. And so I'm so glad we are going to get to talk about this yes, today. me too. So in light of the whole credentials discussion, Val, what would you say you're married and you've got a great marriage, And uh, but what would you say your credentials are? On this topic? Um, I just got involved in hookup culture really early, you know, really early on in high school and walked through it for a long time into college, um, started growing in my faith and, you know, decided I want to make some changes. Um, and then I walked through a long time of singleness, you know, I walked through a long time of choosing to uh, do sexuality different, but it wasn't because of a guy. It was because of God, you know, it's like the I'm married to Dave and uh, I didn't know Dave in college. I didn't know Dave while I was single. Um, he actually went to a different school for some of the time I was in college. Uh, and so, you know, I love that, that I got to kind of learn about purity and about sexuality and God's design for sex without this kind of idea of um, Dave in my mind. You know, it's like I had an idea of who I'd want to marry, but I didn't know him, you know. Um, and then I've worked on a college campus for six years, you know, so I've met thousands of college girls that are walking through hookup culture and making decisions about hookups and relationships. And um, I've had a lot of friends walk through those things. And so I've got that side, but also the last couple of years, I've really just been asking, you know, why is hookup culture so consuming? And so I've really just started to learn. I've been reading some books and attending conferences and um, just learning from people that are both, you know, spiritual uh, and faith oriented and then people that aren't too. Um, and so, yeah, that's just been, I think, helping me learn about hookups and kind of how they affect our brain and then how they affect our hearts and our emotions too. Um, so I would say, yeah, you know, I've kind of got the experience, but I've also been putting in some time to learn about these things so that I can help some of my friends on campuses. Well, those sound like good credentials to me. So in the article, she presents three claims 
the actual sentence says, so the next time your old school aunt disses hookup culture, present her with these three claims and prove her wrong. Mic drop optional. Okay, so the first point, she says, we've explored many options, both emotionally and physically. And she says that because they've explored all these options, that they are going to make a better choice when it comes to choosing a life partner. What would you say to that claim? Let's discuss it. I think first off, you know, um, it's kind of alluding that you can have all this experience and then when you find the one that you're ready to commit to, you can just kind of turn it all off. Um, And so I think that that's one of the big lies that hookup culture is telling us is that hookups are emotionless. You know, it's like you just you can hook up with as many guys as you want and never have feelings. And maybe it's just me, but I have feelings about everything, you know, like I wake up in the morning and I like have a feeling about it. You know, I'm like, I don't want to wake up or it's too early or I'm really excited to wake up, you know, or like I can't find my keys. It's like, oh, I feel annoyed because I can't find my keys. You know, it's like, we just have feelings about everything. And so just the idea that we can kind of turn that off and then turn it back on when we're ready to commit Um, it's just not realistic. You know, it's not how our brains work. Uh, It's not how our emotions work. We've just, we've got feelings, you know, and we can't just turn them on and off whenever we're ready to use them, especially women. We just, we don't work that way. And so that kind of alludes to that um, in this first point. And I just, it's not how that works. It makes me also think about Grayson's podcast episode, and she talks about how she lived in hookup culture also, and that she she had to, I mean, you just, you can't do hookup culture without shutting down emotionally, and that carried on into her marriage, and they ended up having some significant problems that they had to go see a sex therapist, etc., and so few women, few wives will open up and share about that, and that's why I appreciate Grayson. And this is just kind of a fun fact, kind of sorry to take a little side note, but um, for our faithful listeners who heard Grayson's podcast, she was actually in a Bible study that Val led. And I just think that's kind of a fun connection. And so they were sorority sisters, and um, she was in a prayer group with Val, and Val um, was kind of her spiritual mentor um, for quite a while. So anyway, that's just a fun fact. But And if you guys are new to the podcast, that's episode five to hear Grayson's story. Yes. There you go. Thanks, Adrian. Whenever we have a hookup after hookup after hookup, um, it affects our chemicals in our body. You know, it affects a chemical called oxytocin, which if you've read Kim's book, you've heard about oxytocin before. Um, And it, yeah, you know, that wears off after a while if you're connecting to multiple different guys. Um, and so, yeah, you know, I love Grayson's story because it's so redemptive, but that was her experience. You know, it's like her oxytocin had really worn down and it made it hard for her to connect with her husband. And so we, we just get that effect, you know, God's design for sex is even true in our, in our bodies and in the science behind sex, you know? And so, um, it's just an interesting thing that God made it that way. 
Yeah. Another um, thought I had too, along with that, Val, is that, you know, the oxytocin influences your perception of a person. It's what it was created to do. And in marriage, it works great. You know, you get into um, kind of a rift or whatever with your, your husband and maybe later in the day or something, you make love and that oxytocin kind of washes over you and you are kind of, um, you remember all the good things about your husband and it makes you forget all the bad. So if you're engaging in hookups, you are activating that oxytocin. And so my argument is, how in the world are you going to know he's the wrong guy if that's how you're starting a relationship by activating all this oxytocin? You may end up marrying someone that if you are sexually sober, you wouldn't be attracted to. But the oxytocin is doing its job to make you attracted to this guy. So anyway, that's another point. And I think people that are involved in the hookup culture are just telling themselves, you know, I'm getting the experience now so that I'll know what I want later. And I just think that is such a huge lie because why do you think that if you are participating so much in the hookup culture now and being with, you know, five, six, seven, ten different guys, whatever number it is, how can you just stop that? All of a sudden, like you said, the oxytocin is being hit again and again and again through multiple different people. How do you just turn that off one day and go to one partner? You just, you can't, you you just can't. I mean, so I'm so glad we're talking about this. Okay, well, let's go to the next uh, point. We won't propose to someone just so that we can sleep with them. Okay, so that's her second thing. She's like, since hookup culture is the norm, we typically don't want, we don't have to wonder what someone is like in bed. And she says that, we can reserve the most important thing for the one, a lifetime of commitment. So this point makes me think of what you were saying earlier, Val, is that she assumes that you can, it's like a switch that we can turn things on and off. But our experience and uh, just studies show that you don't, you just can't turn that off and on. It's on. (laughs) Any thoughts? that you have about this particular point? Yeah. You know, I think God, God made intimacy for marriage. You know, he made physical intimacy for marriage. uh, And it's a reflection of knowing someone deeply. Uh, I think it's really interesting because in the Bible, God doesn't use that the word for being known deeply for all relationships. You know, he uses it between our relationship to God And then our relationship to our spouse. And then that's really it, you know? Um, And so I just, I don't think that a man's going to marry me just to have sex. You know, I just don't think that that's what he's going to do. That's a big commitment. And um, I think that if that's really the only reason, like, like run the other way, you know, that's not, that's no reason to get married. That's the father of your kids. That's who you're going to make big financial choices with. Um, And so I just think, yeah, that's just not, not the way and not the reason to get married. And I don't think um, a godly man is going to want that, you know, Uh, when Dave and I got married, we 
we didn't, you know, have sex or hook up or anything like that um, while we were dating and engaged. And, you know, Dave had a lot of self-control. Uh, and then I had to learn that too, you know, and um, I think that just really benefited our marriage uh, because now I really trust Dave. And, you know, this, this article, she talked about how um, her generation is going to have better marriages than any other generation. It's like, well, we know that's not true because you can Google divorce stats and it's 50%, you know? Um, and so they're getting higher. They're not getting any lower. And I think hookup culture has a big part to do with that, you know? One thing that I wanted to add on to that, Val, is that, and I'm so glad you touched on it, is that good marriages and and enjoyable intimacy requires commitment and trust. And a lot of young women tend to believe that really practice is what you need. But in reality, it's commitment and trust that makes you feel safe, that lets you open up, and then you get to enjoy the depth of intimacy that God created. And young girls ask, you know, well, how am I going to, why would I marry someone if I, I don't know what he's like in bed? Well, intimacy is something that God's given to a couple to enjoy together, but it's something that they build together. You Honestly, you don't want to go into your, your bed with your husband thinking about all these other men, and you definitely don't want your husband thinking about all these other women while he's with you. Now, you might think on the front end, that's not going to be a big deal, but I tell you, on your honeymoon, you're not going to want to be thinking about anybody else, and, you know, time can heal, God can heal, His Spirit can heal, He can redeem our mistakes. But it's better to trust God. And I mean, He's the one who made sex and intimacy. It's His design. And so He knows how it works best. So anyway, just some thoughts. Yeah, and I think we can trust God in his design for sex in that way by just being obedient to his commands to stay pure and stay pursuing God, stay holy and set apart from the rest of the world. And I know that sounds crazy when everyone else around you is just hooking up with multiple partners and one night stands and is just living that lifestyle. And it's just, it's not fulfilling. It's not satisfied. And I see how the author gets this point because, you know, she sees some Christian women, women have some really short engagements and have sex um, on their wedding day and things like that. But at the same time, that is not the reason these Christian women or men are getting married. It's not just to have sex. It's no, they want to spend a lifetime with this person. They see their self-control. They see the trust that they have in this person. That's really what makes a great spouse. Right. Because honestly, let's just get it out there. Sex on your honeymoon, it might not be the very best sex you ever have. You know, I think young women, movie, young women think that it is going to be the best. And they think, oh, that's when the practice, that's why I need to practice, you know. But really, the best illustration I've heard about this is from Dr. Julie Slattery. And she said it's it's like young couples, God gives them a box of Legos <laughs> at marriage. And they're like, 
And he's like, okay, now build something together. And so that's what intimacy is about. So it's not going to be the best on your honeymoon. But as you get to know each other and build this intimacy, both emotionally and physically, you develop something wonderful. Your goal is to have an enjoyable, lasting sex life 35 years down the road. You know, that makes me laugh, Kim, because I think about the couple in our life that did our premarital counseling, and they said, your honeymoon and the wedding night will be the worst sex you will ever have in your entire (laughs) life. And I remember thinking, this is not what I want to hear in premarital counseling. But looking back, yeah, he was absolutely right. And that will be true of every couple because it is building blocks like Legos. You're going to get better at it over time. You know, we don't say that sex was no good, so maybe we should split up. You know, like that's just... Because you're you're committed to each other and it's more than just physical. Uh, and, you know, I just, I really believe that God's given us as women the desire to feel loved and accepted. Uh, I think that he's, he's built that into us and it's a really good thing. Uh, but I think that we, uh, girls on college campuses or right out of college, we're kind of looking for a shortcut to get that love and acceptance. It's like, ultimately, we can get that fulfilled through our relationship with God, but we think that sex will get us that, you know, we'll, we'll get that through that. And maybe you'll feel accepted for a little bit, but it'll wear off, you know? Um, and so I think that, I think we're looking for something. Um, girls on, on college campuses are looking for something and they think that that's a shortcut. You know, I thought that was a shortcut. Definitely. Uh, I wanted to be loved and accepted, but that wasn't what was going to give it to me ultimately. That's a great point, Val. I think I would agree with that. I think we're all looking for love and acceptance, and we want to feel beautiful and desired and pursued. And hookups kind of give a false, they kind of, it kind of over promises, but it under delivers. So the third point that she makes, the third claim, that she asserts is that we've had our fair share of practice. Now, I kind of talked about practice before. I just get all worked up, and so I probably spoke too soon. But this was her third point, is that we've had our fair share of practice. So, Val, how would you respond to this claim? Right. So when I think about, yeah, uh, just the idea of needing more practice or having more practice, uh, it makes me think about how... Uh, a man's brain works, you know? Um, And so when a married man has sex with his wife that he's committed to, so we're talking about a relationship that's a full commitment. Um, He releases a chemical called vasopressin and that chemical makes him more committed to his wife and to his family. And it makes him really protective over his family. And so that's a really good thing. And you really want that in your marriage But because of how a guy's brain works, you know, he views a woman that he's committed to that way. And then when he views a woman that he's not committed to, or when he maybe has sex with a woman that he's not committed to, it releases a different chemical. Uh, It releases testosterone. And so, you know, we all know that testosterone makes a man more aggressive. Uh, It kind of makes him objectify the woman that he's, you know, engaging in this sexual act with. Um, and it's, it's just because it lights up different parts in his brain. Um, you know, it, it, it's different from a full commitment 
to just someone he's wanting to get some sex from. I was going to say, so I'm sure there is something going on with females too. If you just shared what's going on with the male and his brain, I'm like, what is, what's happening with the female during these encounters? Yeah. So something really interesting is that when a man and a woman that are committed in marriage have sex, the male discharge acts as an antidepressant um, for the wife. And so it makes her, yeah, it makes her happy. Um, You know, she, she feels more relaxed, things like that. Um, And so the same is true if you flip it, if it's uh, a man and a woman that are not married, it's, it's the opposite effect. So it actually acts as a depressant um, and it makes the woman less happy, uh, less satisfied uh, and more depressed and, you know, lack of a better way to say it. Um, and so, yeah, you know, it's like God again designed our bodies and the science behind sex to line up with his plan for um, his design. I love hearing you talk about this, Val, because I mean, I think when people think of the hookup culture, they're just like, oh, this is my body. I do what I want and this feels good. But you're sharing that there is legit science behind this and that your body can recognize when you are having sex in a committed relationship with your spouse or when you are having sex outside of that. I mean, that is just wild that our bodies know that. Oh, it's amazing. It's when I first heard about oxytocin, a, a counselor actually mentioned to me in a just in a, in a, just a casual conversation. And I'm like, wait, I need to learn more about this oxytocin. But oxytocin is just one of this, of the chemicals that are involved in sex. And so when God designed sex to bond together a man and a woman, he wasn't kidding. He put all these chemicals in there to help that process. And there's uh, dopamine, there's this vasopressin, there's oxytocin, there's all kinds of chemicals. And sometime, Adrian, we need to have Dr. Julie Slattery come on. Um, she heads up Authentic Intimacy, and she, I mean, she can rattle off all these sexual chemicals, so we need to get her on. But for now, let's just focus on the chemicals that we're talking about because they do make a difference and you can't deny the chemicals. And if you shut it down, then you have issues later, like we saw in Grayson's podcast, number five. Right. And, you know, when our idea of hookups is just, you know, we need to get practice for our marriage one day um, sexually that's just going to lead us to think that nothing is ever enough. You know, um, if I'm not satisfied this one time, well, then I should move on to someone else. Um, and, you know, no one gets married and then thinks I want this to last five years. And then I kind of want to be out, you know, um, that's just not what someone goes into marriage thinking, but hookup culture is kind of, uh, training us to think that it's kind of training us to think, If I'm not completely satisfied by this person, I should find someone else. Um, And I hate that, you know, because ultimately God is the only one who's going to completely satisfy us. Um, Sex isn't going to do it. A guy's not going to do it. Um, But hookup culture is telling us that, you know, it's okay to just move on when I'm not getting exactly what I want. Wow, that's great insight. Wow, we've talked about a lot of things. Um, 
Are there any last thoughts you have for us before we close? I mean, is there something maybe we didn't talk about in the article? I mean, we've talked about a lot. You know, we've we've refuted her three claims that, you know, hookup culture will allow you to explore many options, both emotionally and physically, and that we won't just propose to someone just so we can sleep with them. And third, that we've had our fair share of practice. And so in our discussion, I feel like we've kind of refuted some of these things that they, that does not help you have a successful marriage, that there are other things that have. So is there, are there any last thoughts that you have though, before we maybe talk through some applications for what we should, how we should respond to this? Um, any last thoughts? Sure. There, there's two things that really come to mind. The first one is that maybe if you've been really involved in the hookup culture uh, and you're deciding you want to take a step back or you're nervous, you know, I've just, I've gone too far. Uh, that was kind of a thought that I'd had a lot was I've just gone too far for a good guy to ever really, you know, want to marry me. Um, and it's just not true. You know, I love, yeah, Grayson's podcast, she really has this great marriage that God redeemed, you know, and um, I love that. I love thinking about that. And God can redeem anything. Um, and so you maybe are super emerged in the hookup culture, but God really can help you to become pure, you know, and it's like purity is not something that we just have this one time. It's something that we're actively making decisions towards. I just thought of this quote, and I believe it's by Dana Gresh, but she said, purity is not about not having sex. It's about having sex right in God's timing and God's way. So anyway, I just thought that was an interesting um, thought. Yeah. And Kim, that's kind of the second thing that I was just sitting here thinking is I think it can be easy to think that, oh, God's saying, you know, you're not married, so no sex, you know, no, 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 you can't do this. And I just don't think that that's what God's saying. I think God's telling us, hey, I want you to wait for the best. I want you to wait for, to have the best experience. Um, and I'm going to give that to you at the right time. Um, and so I think it can be easy to kind of think that, that it's like, I've just, I've, I can't do this. Or I can't do that. And it's like, well, no, you know, God just wants us to experience fullness. Um, and the way we can experience sexual fullness is inside marriage. So waiting is not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing at all. It actually has so many benefits that I know we can probably all attest to. Yeah, I think too, and you touched on this, Val, is that, you know, I think a critic of Christian culture might say, well, you know, a lot of Christian women, they wait, they wait, they wait, then they get married and they're disappointed by the sex. They're disappointed, you know, kind of the whole purity culture type of thing. And so I, I love that, you know, we're exalting God's design for sex in marriage and that it's not something, I think we should learn what God's design is and to hold it up and to respect and to uh, appreciate what God has made, that it's not this dirty, bad thing that God made it and designed it. It's a good thing, but we need to wait. And you talked about this and I'm glad you did, but we need to wait until it's God's best 
timing for us because then we can enjoy it the way that God intended. And that's a process. It doesn't just happen overnight. That's just part of the beauty of marriage. You know, that's the a marriage is the starting line for building sexual intimacy. And uh, but that does start ahead of time by just getting God's thoughts into our thoughts about what is good and healthy about sex. So let's talk for a minute about applications. I thought you had some great points there at the end, Val, but for our listeners, what would be a couple of good steps to take as a result of this podcast? I think one thing is you just want to find someone to help you, you know, you want to, um, like we talked about earlier, you want to have input from the right kind of people, you know, credible people. Um, and so if you don't have someone that's maybe helping you grow spiritually, um, find that, find someone that can help you grow in this area and in other areas, but just to ask you some questions, you know, if you're needing, um, Maybe you've got a boyfriend and you're not wanting to have sex with him anymore. Um, you know, you need to you need to find someone else to tell that to so that they can ask you. Um, or I mean, maybe it's not that extreme. Maybe it's something else like you don't want to hook up with a guy at a fraternity house or something like that. Um, you know, you need someone that can ask you about that stuff. And so I just think accountability is so important when uh, it comes to sex and hookups. I know that was really big for me. And so I think that would be one of the biggest things is just finding someone you really trust, uh, someone that hopefully is maybe a little bit ahead of you even um, in your in your faith um, and be open and honest with them and let them into your life and let them ask you some good questions. We're all about those kind of relationships, Val. We champion the mentorship. We champion the accountability. Yes, and that's why we're doing that podcast. We are older women teaching younger women. That's right. Well, Val, thank you so much for being with us today. You know, another application step I would really encourage our listeners is to listen to Val's podcast that's on, uh, which is linked in the show notes, because I think she'll be able to really expound on a lot of the points that we just touched on today. But the more information you know, the better choices you're going to be able to make. So I think that would be really important. So Thank you for spending time with us today. Adrian, I love being in this with you. And Logan, thank you for putting it all together. And Val, thank you for taking time out of your schedule just to share with our listeners today. We're so grateful for you. And um, we hope that you'll be back with us again soon. Mm-hmm.